Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, at Big Meach 41, and soon to be on TikTok. That's right. Now, this is the special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. All right, Bearcat fans, I'm excited to welcome in my next guest. Now, this interview is the one I've been wanting to do for so long. And, I mean, I, I, I pretty much can shut down the podcast after this one because this is the one that I've been waiting for. And I, I've done, let's see, 48 episodes. And of the 48 that I've done, 34 interviews have been with former Bearcat players. Now, of those 34, almost 80% of them have some sort of tie back to Bob Huggins. And every single former player talks about the love they have for this man and how he changed their life. And this, I, I feel like I've built up all the podcasts for this interview, this interview for this man that changed my life as well. He's one of the greatest sports figures in Cincinnati history and without question, one of the greatest to ever coach basketball at any level. And he is unquestionably a Hall of Fame coach and a mentor. I would like to welcome in my coach, Bob Huggins. Hugs, how you doing? I'm doing good, Alex. I don't, and how, I don't know what to say after that that the ordeal there. <laughs> was it was it good? Did it was did I did I did I do okay? I mean you couldn't have lied any better if you tried. <laughs> Love it, man. How's your family doing? All good. Actually sitting here with June right now, sitting on the back deck. You tell her I said hello. Tell her I said hello. Um, quickly, before we dive into kind of the meat of this here podcast, your team coming up this season, how they look? Give us a quick rundown real quick. Well, I, I thought before COVID-19, pretty good. Um, I, you know, Alex, it's 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 been – and doing this for 40 some years, I thought, you know, you kind of experienced everything. And, you know, we were, we were walking, walking out of uh, breakfast in Kansas City, walked over and sat down with the assistant AD. And the AD got off the elevator, walked over, and like, give me, give me the sliced throat deal. And I said, we're done. He said, he said, we're done for the season. Mm. And that was before the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, obviously, we were headed to the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happened in that. And you know, it, it's you, you feel the first thing that hits you, you just feel so bad for your guys, right? Because you know, we we started out played really well, and then we went through a six or seven game deal where nothing would go in. We we were 0 for 22 inside of two feet uh, against Oklahoma. 
that's hard to do. I mean, you've got to, you've got to practice that. <laughs> it just was rough, and then we couldn't make a free throw. And, and then all of a sudden, we started playing really well again. Had a lot more mm-hmm. bounce in our step, which generally happens when you start winning. But mm-hmm. a lot of bounce in our step. We're really looking forward to the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. And we got nine guys back from from that team. Man, that guy is back. Our our two post guys are back. Uh, our 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 wing guys are back. But we got nine of them that know what they're doing. Uh, we signed three guys: the, the junior college guy who is very very talented, and and two high school kids that are going to come in. And uh, I think they're going to play some minutes. I think they're going to play some meaningful minutes. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to it, man. Good man, I, I look forward to watching your teams. I always do. Always, still follow all your teams, all the games, and uh, definitely hope to be at more games um, this coming season. Hopefully, the season gets going. Um, but hey, listen, um, this interview here, Hugs, I, I I could turn this into the Last Dance. I I, I could literally do a ten-part series, interview questions with you, and just all the stories. But listen, I know we don't have that much time, but I I like to condense some things and really I think dive into there's some questions that Bearcat fans have um, some things that I want to talk to you about and I kind of want to you know wrap it all in one but but first before I do all that coach I want to start this podcast off and I want to start it off by saying thank you and I want to thank you coach because you changed my life now I know I'm not Kenyon Martin Ruben Patterson Nick Van Exel so many others. Um, I wasn't, you know, a terrible kid, didn't have a, you know, a, a, a terrible road life and family life, but I needed Bearcat basketball in my life at that time. And you gave me an opportunity and it has allowed me to do so many things that I'm doing today, coach. And I said, I've got to start this podcast off and just tell you, thank you. Okay. Well, Thank I appreciate you. that, man. I really do. That that means a lot. And I, and I, and I know it does. And I know what your former players mean to you. And we're gonna we're gonna get into that in a little bit. But I want to I want to tell you this. I don't I don't know if you even remember the story, but I, I've never talked to you about this. But I got to tell you, do you remember the day I walked into your office and asked you for an opportunity to walk on? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, will, I, also, I, I also remember you getting uh, how many was was it eleven points in uh, in the Alaskan I, shootout? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, that that opportunity you gave me there at the that was one of the, that that right there was one of not only great basketball experiences in my life, but just times right there. That was. And we're we're going to talk about that Alaska shootout. Well, you got to be honest, Al. Though it was a long, long plane flight, and we yeah. had a lot of big guys, and, and, <laughs> and they were kind of cramped out in those seats, and they were all holding their backs and limping and carrying on. And I thought, well, you know what, Alex, sure probably didn't get cramped up in that plane, so threw <laughs> you out there and you delivered. Yes, sir. I just just needed the opportunity, and and you you probably don't know this. I got to tell you this, but 
prior to me walking into your office and asking you for an opportunity to walk on, I had pretty much prepared for two months for that conversation. I prepared mentally and I prepared physically. And what I don't think I ever told you was Jerome Gray is the one that helped me prepare for that moment. And Jerome's passed away. Um, I owe a lot to him. But I will never forget this. He and I had a conversation the night before I came in to, to meet and sit and talk with you. And I wrote all this stuff down on note cards. And Jerome played you. And I was me. And I would sit and I would talk to you and tell you. And I was looking at my note cards and going through all this stuff. And Jerome helped me prepare. And I'll never forget this. I walk into your office. Rini Haru walks me back there. I walk in. I'd never been in your office before. And I was nervous. I looked on your wall, and you had a picture with Michael Jordan hanging on your wall. And Michael Jordan being my basketball idol and you being one of the biggest sports figures in town, I'm like, holy shit. I'm sitting down here. with, And I forgot every single thing that was on that note card. But when I sat in that seat, Hugs, I said, you know what? I just have to speak from the heart. And I did. You listened, and you, you gave me the opportunity. And, and, and thanks to, uh, you know, Jay Fresh, Jerome, for, for helping me prepare, even though I had to throw out all the note cards because I damn near forgot everything. So I never told you that story. No, you didn't. Mm-mm. So I, I'll never forget walking in that, in that office, man. That was that was a definitely – I tell that story a, a lot to young people and, you know, just, just doing things from the heart. Sometimes you got to do that, no matter how well you have things scripted. And I mean, shit, that happens in basketball, right, Hugs? You've got plays scripted, but sometimes you just have to use your instinct and and, and read the play, and make something happen. Yeah, roll with the punches. That's right. Now, now I want to go back a little bit, you know, in, in your history. And you played basketball. You played at a high level in high school and college. You got into coaching. You know, you became a, a head coach at 27, a young head coach. And, and fast forward to now, and, and you are undoubtedly a Hall of Fame coach. Now, as you reflect, Coach, on your, on your life journey, do you ever wonder what it would have been like if you did something else? Like, do you ever sit and go, damn, I would have been a great lawyer or shit, I would have been a great scientist? Or do you say coaching and being a mentor is my life's work? Well, I think if you if you have any kind of intelligence at all, you kind of gravitate to what you what you enjoy and what you're good at. I think I'd have been a heck of a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I agree I with that. Terrific lawyer, but you know, Alex, what happened was uh, I finished my career at West Virginia. I got an opportunity to go to the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. I stayed way longer than I should have. Uh, it's one of those fields where, you know, you start making shots and then it, it just, it's everything you throw up goes in. And I, so I was there all through the rookie deal for, uh, I think it was about a week. And then, and then the real guys came in, uh, Dr. J, Doug Collins, Harvey Catchings, World Be Free mm-hmm. and company. And, uh, and they, I just, I kept surviving and surviving and, we were uh, we're in the, in the we weren't allowed to dress in the in the 
dressing room with the with the good guys. You know, there was three of us. There was the number one pick, the number two pick, and myself. Number one pick was six foot eleven from Arizona, and number two pick was six foot six from Arizona State. And so we're in the locker room, three of us, and the trainer comes in. His name was Al Domenico. They called mm-hmm. him the Fonz because he looked like Henry Winkler. <laughs> and, and you know, with the with the the Philadelphia dialect, he said, "Ewans uh, want to know who made it or who didn't make it." Well, those two guys, man, jump up and man, just tell us who made it. Just tell us who made it. And he said, "None of you mfers." <laughs> and, he, and he ran out. And they thought he was joking because he was a big practical jokester. Uh huh. And so they're in there, you know, they're kind of laughing and stuff, you know. Then it dawns on him that he's not coming back. So they jump in the, they, 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 they jump up and run down the hallway trying to find him. They're running up and down the hallway. And I'm trying to gather up, you know, mementos for take home mm-hmm. to get as many, you know, practice jerseys and pair of shorts as you can get. Right. And uh stuff them in the bag and, and I'm out the door and uh he never did come back. And that's that's how unceremoniously I got cut. And to 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 go back to what we were talking about. I really wanted to go to law school but by the time I had gotten cut I stayed there too long and I had no shot then to get into law school because they had already started school and were uh, had been in for a while, and so I got a degree in health administration. I got a master's degree in health administration, and my college coach said, "Why don't you uh, Why don't you help me?" And uh-huh. so he made me a graduate assistant, and I was here for a year. Um, they say you're not a good coach until you get fired. I ought to be really good. I've been fired a couple of times, but <laughs> Coach Gardner got fired, which meant I got fired, and. Uh-huh. So then I didn't have a job when I called Chuck Mayshock and Chuck and I, as most people in Cincinnati know, go way, way back. And we're yeah. very, very, very dear friends. And Chuck said Ohio State, so he got me, he got me an Ohio State job. So, you know, and, and so I'm an assistant coach at Ohio State for for a couple of years and, and never thought about law school again. Mm. And, and, and so now you're now you're you're knee deep into it. That's a great segue into something I've always been fascinated about, and I never I've never really heard you talk about it specifically. And that was when you applied for the UC head coaching job and the hiring process that occurred. Um, what why why the UC job? Why did you apply for that? Were, were there multiple ones you applied for at the same time? And how was that process? No, I you know I I. Uh... I, I found out at Ohio State when you're four chairs down from where the decisions are made, it's not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, and and I was, you know, I was the third assistant. So there, it, I would tell Jerry Sears, who would tell Chuck Meshock, who would then relay it to Eldon, and I found out pretty quick it wasn't anything like what I suggested. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, so you know, and 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 I was on the road. I was I did all the scouting and and did a, a a bunch of recruiting. So I was generally gone five or six days a week, and it just you know I I wanted to coach, and I I was never able to get on the floor much because 
I was on the road so much. And so I got my dad. My dad actually was going to take the Walsh College job until he found out how much they paid. And uh-huh. and he goes, now you need to hire my son. Uh-huh. Uh, so they called me, and I thought I had coaching opportunity, and so I took it. And I didn't realize, honestly, that uh, there was there there were absolutely zero African American students at Walsh at the time. Jeez. And um, they had never won, and I don't I don't think they ever expected to ever win. Uh-huh. The first game there, there were thirty-six people there. I counted them. There were three. Uh, it was Brotherhood of Christian Instruction. There were three brothers sitting there. They came in in their cardigan sweaters and read a book the first half and left at halftime. <laughs> and I'm, I'm walking down the stairs at halftime, and I said to, to Dan Peters, who was who was my assistant at Walsh, that. Um, we're going to get so good that we're going to make those brothers stay the whole game. They're going to mm-hmm. want to stay the whole game. Mm-hmm. And we did. And we did. My, yep. my third and last year, we were 34-1. and one. And then Chuck Mayshock, uh calls me again and says, I want, to, I want you to go with me to Central Florida. We're going to build this program. We're going to do this and that. And I, uh, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of tired of fighting everything at, 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 at Walsh a little bit. And Chuck just kept, as Chuck will do up to you, this on and on and on and on and on. And so mm-hmm. I said, okay, we'll go. And Jen and I had just had a little baby girl and Jenna. And it seemed like, you know, Florida would be a nice place to live. So we packed up our stuff and, and, and went to Florida to, to coach with Chuck. And, and and then from there? And then from there, uh, I hated Florida. Um, you know, you want there's a big game coming on, and you want to watch the game, and you turn it on, and an old Army movie or something on. <laughs> Every, everything was football. I'm being serious. I mean, mm-hmm. everything was football, 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 football. Yeah. And, and the job wasn't anything like promised uh, to Chuck. And uh, it was just, uh, it wasn't a good situation. And I was applying for every job I could back up this way. Uh, A couple D2 jobs in Pennsylvania and whatever. And I get a call from the president of Akron and he said, are you ready to come home? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, okay, I'll get back with you. Well, about two, three weeks go by, he doesn't, still doesn't get back with me. And I, now I don't know what's going on. And I don't know how hard to pursue these other jobs. And um, then they called me and said they wanted to they wanted to interview me. And I went up there, and I, I was walking around campus with the assistant AD. I'll never forget. And he said, well, they're going to announce you tomorrow. I said, I haven't even talked to anybody, man. <laughs> he said, Good listen. They had six guys in here yesterday, and you're the only guy in today. You're getting the job. Wow. And they took me over to see the president, and the president said, don't worry what anybody says. I'm hiring you. Mm. So, and he did. Yeah. What a great guy. One of the great guys of all time. Uh-huh. 
and, and so what what attracted you to the Cincinnati job? Well, it's like anything else, man. You know, you can you can take a program so far. Uh, you know, when you have limited resources, and and mm-hmm. and quite frankly, they wanted football. They uh, they brought in Coach Faust, and and uh, you know, and a lot of the resources or good portion of resources going to football. And I just I wanted to I wanted to play in the NCAA tournament, advance in the NCAA tournament. My uh, we we lost to Michigan by four. They were number one ranked team in the country, mm-hmm. and and I mean unquestionably the number one ranked team in the country. And we we lost by four in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And um, I thought Cincinnati had a better opportunity to to advance in the tournament, play in the Final Four, and play for a national championship. Mm-hmm. So I I applied at uh, at Cincinnati, which is really the first time I got a job that I actually applied for. Hmm. Now, wh- what what do you think it was that either, you know, you said or y- your business plan for the program that really sold the University of Cincinnati on Bob Huggins? and made them want to hire you? Process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I walked in, Rick Taylor said, uh, yeah, we're going to ask you some questions, and, and Bill Mulvihill was there. And, mm-hmm. and the first question that Rick asked, asked was, what's the last book that you read? And, and so I told him, um, when glory mattered, it was a... Lombardi book mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, the the last question that he asked me is what's the last book you read and I'm thankful I already told him once mm-hmm. so, so I told him again what the, book, the last book I read was and he said okay we'll get back in touch with you later on after I get the job they tell me that the reason that I think it was two of the guys might have been three. They gave him different books for, in the beginning and, and the end. Really? Yeah, and Rick said, you know, if you're going to lie about something as simple as that, what else are you going to lie about? <laughs> right. And, and and so I got the job, and I think I think somebody pulled out. Oh, Rick Majerus pulled out because yep. he wanted a Utah job. Yep. So it was, it was kind of process of elimination, I think. Mm-hmm. So what was your day one you get the job? What what is your kind of your business plan? Obviously you wanna win a national championship, be consistent every single year in the tournament. What but what was your what was your business plan on how to build the program? Day you know, one. My business plan was how do I survive? Mm. Um you know, you have a team meeting and and um Guys, there were three, three or four guys showed up. Three or four guys showed up for it, and and the and then all of a sudden, I think Ben Lavertis came in, and then uh, maybe Tate came in, and then Lou Banks came in, or Key Starks might have been first. But I forget the order, but they uh-huh. all kind of wandered in, and and I'm like, uh, let me explain something to you. If the meeting's at four o'clock. 
you better be sitting down by four o'clock. And and so you know, I told him I was going to run them all the next morning at whatever time it was, five thirty or six o'clock in the morning. And uh, they said they weren't going to run. I said, well, that's fine. You know, then you better start calling around, find another place to go. <laughs> you hear you saying that? Laverse came in and said, Coach, I, 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 I'll be there. I'll be there in the morning. And I said, What about your your buddies? He said, Coach, I can't speak for them, but I will be there in the morning. Mm-hmm. I showed up in the morning. They were already stretching. Mm. Everybody. Yeah, and and that was a that was a that was a great bunch. And then we you know we went and we got a bunch of walk on Steve Sanders. What a great story. Oh, you know, and uh, you know we yep. we teach Steve all the time, but I think I think Steve, you know, Steve was a good football player and and needed the fifth year to get his degree, and so he could, he could come and play basketball, and, and uh, we were going to Hawaii that year. We went to Hawaii. We actually lost a close game to Duke out there in Hawaii, and mm-hmm. and uh, the, the 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 joke or the rumor was. That there may be some truth to it that Steve just kept playing basketball because it, it, I mean, it was pretty hard and, and he kept playing basketball because he wanted to go to Hawaii (laughs) (laughs) and he, and he was going to lay it down after, you know, after he got back and he, 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 then we ended up starting him and he, and he, he actually led the Metro conference in three point field goal percentage. It's crazy. Now, was was that something where you approached Steve or the football program about getting someone on the team, or did he approach? How'd that work? Well, Murph and I became good friends, uh, mm-hmm. and and when Murph was a football coach, and yep. Murph actually recommended a couple guys, and we were going to keep both of them. And I think the one it it was pretty hard, and he was like, "Man, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this," and and so he. He uh, he said, Coach, I just stopped. I said, Hey man, I understand, no problem. And Steve stuck it out. Uh, but we, I mean, we scouted. We were down there, man, watching rec games. We were anything, any, anywhere the ball was bouncing on campus. We were there trying to find somebody. We we had some, we got some guys. We got some walk-on guys. Yeah. Um, from the intramural league and and a couple guys that were high school guys that wanted to walk on and and they were great for us. They really were. They were great for us and and they uh they they were they were great practice guys. And and the thing is like coach when when you take over the program, I believe the year year before Tony Yates was like fifteen and twelve or something like that and you know you take over the team, you guys go twenty and fourteen. Um and with some of those guys that are carryover from Coach H, you mentioned some of them, say Lou Banks, Andre Tate, Lavertis Robinson, Key Starks, um, great pieces. And I, and I, I honestly think um, some of those guys that I just named are are really the backbone of the program. And I, I don't think those guys get enough credit um, at the end of the day for your 16-year run, just what they did for the program. Um, you mentioned Steve Sanders, and that shot that – you know, is on loop everywhere at the University of Cincinnati. Steve Sanders shot versus Minnesota when they were number 20 in the country. Um, does that does that game 
stick out to you as you know one of your favorite games ever because you, you you're taking over the program a 15 and 12 team and here you are playing Minnesota number 20 in the country and you get a walk-on football player making the shot to win it in a brand new arena everyone the excitement is now there for Bearcat basketball is that one of your favorite moments first of all it was a great call on my part <laughs> we set a back screen to throw a lob to to Lavertis and 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 then we we ran something for for Andre and I said and and we're they're going out and I grabbed Steve by the arm I'll never forget I said listen man if they cover all that you got to run and get the ball and shoot it mm. and he wasn't even in the play man I mean he mm. wasn't he was. I just told him at the end, we got to get it in bounds and get a shot up. So I really mm. didn't have anything to do with it. That was that was those guys kind of thinking on their feet and Steve making a heck of a shot. Yep, instinct. Well, so what was your feeling? What were your emotions when he made that shot? I don't jubilation. I guess. I mean, we were just we were we were all excited. I mean, and and and. Uh, Clem Haskins coming coming in and playing us, you know, he did a home and home with us, which mm-hmm. I couldn't get anybody to do with us. And 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 athletic director Rick Taylor was dead set on we were going to play a ranked team to start. Mm-hmm. That was the opening game at Shoemaker Center. Yep. And and he, and Rick wanted a, a ranked team, and Clem was gracious enough to to come and play us, and then we. So we ended up playing four games against them. We we, we did two home and home series, and and uh, yeah, to this day, thankful to Clem for being such a good guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now you know it, it's it's one thing, Hugs, when you take over a program or whatever whatever it is you do in life, you always have these these visions of of great things you can do, and then it really hits home you know, when, when things actually happen. Now, after this first season that you had here in 1989, were, were you like, you know what, this is actually going to happen. I mean, we're, we're going to build something really, really special. Did, did that happen after that first season, or was it the second season? At what point did that happen? No, I think the second season is, is kind of, Alex, when you understand that you can't control everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, Lou Banks broke his hand. Yep, played with a broken hand. Uh, I could, I, I, I can remember sitting there with Lou and the doctor, and the doctor saying, you know, you could permanently, almost probably lose uh, any function in that hand if you fall on it the wrong way and break it, and whatever. And and, and uh, Lou said, I'm playing, man. And said, no, you don't understand. Lou said, no, you don't understand, man. I'm playing, man. <laughs> and, and I said, well, let me ask you this. I mean, if he had a perfectly good hand and he fell that way and broke it, I mean, is there a chance that he could be debilitated with a good hand? He goes, well, yeah, I guess that's possible. And I looked over Lou. He said, I'm playing, man. <laughs> and, 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 and he played He played with a broken hand. And then Lavertis had an appendectomy mm. and, and and probably had the shortest recovery from a appendectomy of anybody in history. 
and and uh, I mean those guys were those guys were fantastic. I mean they, it was, uh, and and then and then Alan Jackson sprained his ankle really bad. It was our point guard the second year. Uh, Terrence Gibson sprained his ankle, and it was mm-hmm. just like it was like everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. Jeff Scott got hurt. And, and, and now you're, you know, you're looking around there, like what else can happen to us? Mm-hmm. And, and we, we kind of limped in that second year on a team that, you know, maybe, maybe had an outside chance of, of being the last team in the NCAA, but certainly an NIT team. We just got, we got annihilated by injuries. Mm-hmm. So, as you as you're in the process of building this, obviously you quickly you quickly turn a program around. You guys, you know, make it to the Final Four. Uh, what? So at that point, you're sitting with your staff and you're you're having meetings. What's the what's the conversation like? you know, just after the first season, maybe part of the second season, where you're talking about recruiting, the type of guys you want to bring, you know, into the university. Because as you take over as a coach, you inherit the last coach's guys, and then you slowly start to get your guys in. What's that conversation like at that point back in 89, 90 with your staff? Like, what type of guys we need to bring into this program? Well, I I think, first of all, I'm – I think I'm different than most coaches in that they're all my guys. Mm-hmm. You know, once, once, once we go out there and go through, you know, what we go through for a season, they're my guys. And for sure, and for I sure, owe so much to Lou Banks, to Lavertus Robinson, to Keith Starks, to Andre Tate. I mean, we didn't have a point guard my first year, and I'm like, can anybody dribble this freaking ball? Yeah. And take yep. that hand. And I said, you're the point guard then. Mm-hmm. And he and he had a heck of a year as yep. a point guard. And, and, and you know, you're sitting in there and now. Now you're saying, okay, uh, we lost Lou, we lost Laverse, we lost Keith. You know, what do we do now? And and we had. Terrence. Terrence was the first guy, the first high school guy ever signed with us. Mm-hmm. AD signed the following year um, and came in with three years eligibility from, from Ren Lake Junior College. Actually signed at Butler. They switched coaches, got caught in the coaching thing, and ended up going to Ren Lake Junior College. Mm-hmm. But um, And we were fortunate to get him. I mean, he, he had a heck of a career for us as well. Yes, he did. So you know we're we're trying to we're trying to piece it together and and uh, I got a call from a guy that I had had in camp years and years ago uh, from Orville, Ohio, and he and he called me and he said that he was in California. He said, "Hey, there's three guys out here, man. You got to go come out and take a look at." Mo, well, I think I'd already had already known something about him and 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 Steve Muller. So I'm like, uh, Mo had recruited Texas or recruited California when he was at Texas with Abe Lemons. So I'm like, hey, Mo, go check these guys out. And he jumped on the plane and went. And mm-hmm. 
we get those three guys, we get Mike Reichenacker, who was who was terrific for us as well. And, you know, and Alex, the, the great thing is, you know, we played Kansas State last year, and I look, and there's Mike Reichenacker. Grew mm. all the way up, all the way up from from uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. Come up because we, you know, hadn't seen him in a while, and, and, and just to just to be able to to, to see those guys and. Seeing, seeing how successful they are, no, how successful no. they, you know they've become. And Lou, Lou makes it to usually a game or two a year down here. Sweet Lou. So, yeah, I mean it's 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 all been good. And and listen, how you you have? And we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get further into this. But your your connection with your former players um, is at such a high level, but. I want to say, your, and I want you to kind of comment on this, but your connection to Cincinnati, the greater Cincinnati area, you know, they always say if you if you build it, they will come, right? And you obviously built the Bearcat program to a high level. You're winning, so, so everybody's coming out. But, Coach, you built a different connection with this, greater Cincinnati area that was beyond winning and I, I think the, the the people here have have so much they they've had so much love for you since since day one you know what what made you want to connect on just another level with the people of Cincinnati because coaches could come in here and say I'm just going to win and do my thing I'm not I don't have to go speak anywhere I don't want to do all that other shit I'm, I'm here to coach basketball that wasn't you well, no, that's never been me. But you know, here I, I can remember this like it was yesterday. You know, you, I, I complained. I think every, after every game that the place wasn't full. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, in the beginning when we started, and then we played Louisville, and the place is packed. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it was Bill Cook or Tom which one of the guys it was, but they're like, are you happy now? And I said, no, because they came to see Louisville. Right. I'll be happy. I'll be happy whenever they come to see us. Mm-hmm. We pack this place because they want to see us. Right. Not that they want to see who we're playing. Yep. And I'll never forget, and then this is, this is maybe the third or fourth year with, with Corey and Eric and Terry and Nick and AD and Terrence and that crew. We're playing in Chicago State, who, according to the – the it wasn't RPI back then. It was something else, Segrin or whatever it was. They were the worst team in the country. Mm-hmm. And their coach suspended three starters. Mm. And the place was packed. Mm. I mean packed mm-hmm. and I mean I walked out man I had tears in my eyes man I'm mm. like by God they came to see us play tonight mm-hmm. and I, you know I felt that way I I, I, I felt that way you know the pretty much the whole time I was there I think you know, and and we went through different changes in administration uh, in terms of athletic directors and so forth. And you know, everybody wanted to build a football program, which I understood. 
I think what I think though that when when you have Steve Logan, who's the second best player in the country according to everybody and everybody who voted, I thought he was the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the place isn't full. Mm-hmm. But then then I, then I go look and you know I drive down 75 and there's billboards about football when we're playing. Mm-hmm. And then, then I find how much money went into football. And then I find out that the money from the suites went into football, that our NCA money went into football. It's not right. It's not right by my guys. Right. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but, you know, it didn't affect me personally, but it sure as heck affected them. Yeah. Yep. And, and and that's not right. You know, it's not right. So I'm going to fight for my guys. Mm-hmm. Always have. You know, I mean, I, I, I was, I've always been that way. I'm, I'm, I will, I will continue to be that way until I retire or whatever. I, I just, um, do the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I understand we want to get and, and, and you know what, they've done a great job. I mean, they've done a great job getting football going and Bearcat football now is very good. And they've got a heck of a coach and mm-hmm. I mean, I watch them on TV. I like watching them. I like the way they play. They play the game the right way. Yeah. But don't, don't make us, don't, don't, don't steal from us, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. To, 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 to do that, you know? And, and, uh, so, you know, the people say, well, you had, you know, differences with the administration. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I did because it wasn't right. Right. So. And, and, and Hodge, you said something too. I want to, I want to piggyback on, you talked about always having, you know, your players back. And I thought what was always fascinating about you that really made you different at the, at the end of the day, always tell people the the core of Coach Huggins, you know, you can look at the X's and O's, he's so good at that, and all that stuff is great. But I think one of the best things that you've ever done is you've always let the players you've recruited have their personalities. Like, let them be them. You didn't try to say, okay, when you put on the red and black uniform, you've got to cut your hair a certain way. You can't wear those shoes. Ann Hicks, you can't wear that headband. Leonard Stokes, you can't wear that headband. Bill Williams, man, you got to do something with that afro. Teron Barker, that's that's way. You let them be them and let them be their personality. I think that's one of the greatest things that you've ever done, and a lot of coaches don't do that. Well, but it's but uh, I mean I. I... I don't know why you wouldn't do that. I mean, it, it, it's, I can remember, I remember a lot of things about, you know, the first like few years and the last few years, but we were, we got new uniforms and I, and I let the guys design them. And the beginning of the whole Jordan thing, Anthony Buford designed the uniforms. Mm. I mean, I can remember I can remember the people coming in and saying, Anthony says, you know, Doug, this, that, that, whatever. And the guy's like, well, you can't do that. You can't make this fold here. You can't make that cut there. 
And Anthony said, yeah, you can. Let me show you how. <laughs> I didn't and, know that. And, 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 and that's how the whole thing started. And then I, I can remember the AD coming to me and saying, those are those those uh, uniforms are awful. They're terrible. Why would you wear them? I said, I'm not wearing them. <laughs> you know, if that's what makes them feel good, that's yep. what they ought to wear. Yep. You know, and and and, and but but the uniform thing, 100% Anthony Buford, 100% Anthony Buford. Wow. And they were so catchy that. Everybody went, and then and and you can remember, man. I'm telling you what, Cincinnati basketball was everywhere. And and Alex, when I first, you know, I grew up northeast Ohio, so when I first came to Cincinnati, I'm going in the I'm going in the uh, uh, the malls and stuff. There are no Cincinnati gear anywhere. None, none. Kentucky gear, little Ohio State gear, lots of Kentucky stuff. No Cincinnati gear anywhere. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to go in and ask for Cincinnati gear. I go in and say, "Hey, uh, can I get a, a replica Cincinnati uh, uh, uniform?" Oh, we don't carry those. Well, mm-hmm. you're in Cincinnati, right? Why wouldn't you carry them if you're in Cincinnati? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then and then you know then after a while you realize why are you talking to this guy for? He don't own the store. He he's not doing ordering. He's just out here trying to make a buck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it. We became. We sold more gear in New York than than the Knicks. Wow. We were, I mean, we had it going. I mean, mm-hmm. we we had it, we had it really rolling. And then as things happened, our administration got greedy. You know, mm-hmm. tried to tried to push it. You know, you got to know. You you got to know when to. You know, it, it, it's. I tell you a funny story. So when I go to when I go to Kansas State, they say, "Can you get us a Nike deal?" I'm like, I, "I mean, I can talk to them. I don't know." And and so they said, "Well, you talk to them." I said, "Yeah." So I call whatever. They said, "When you want us to come in?" It's like a Wednesday or Thursday, and I said, "I don't know when you can you come in." They said, "You want us to come in Monday?" I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be great." So they come in Monday, give us an all school deal. Wow. So we're sitting there. And I said, I said to the guy who runs all the team sports, all the, all the, does all the uniform stuff for all the teams, all that, makes all the decisions. I said, kid, explain something to me, man. I don't understand. He said, Hugs, what don't you understand? And I said, Bill Snyder is one of the great college football coaches of all time. Maybe the greatest college football coach of all time. Went to went to a place that that was unquestionably the worst Division One football program in America, and he played for a national championship. And you wouldn't give him a deal. He said, "Hugs, you're smarter than that." I said, "No, I'm not." He said, "Hugs, you're smarter than that." I said, "Okay, so explain it to me." He said, "You ever see a kid wear football cleats to school?" <laughs> I said. No. He said, we sell sneakers, Hugs. Yep. We don't sell. We sell sneakers. Kids wear sneakers to school. You yep. sell sneakers. Why do you get a deal? Because you sell sneakers. Hmm. Yep. Multi- so, that, and, I mean, and that's what happened. That's what happened at Cincinnati. We sold stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we sold shoes. 
Earnings, we sold warm-ups. We were what everybody wanted to be. No question. No question about that. And that that whole uh, Jordan era started my first year. This, Al, so I just get out of my car, and here comes Deuce McBride, the pride of Elder High School. Mo, um, from Moeller? Moeller High School, yeah. Yeah, tell, tell him I said what's up. He's, he's, right, he's right here. Say hello to Alex Meacham. Oh, what's up, Meach? What's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. A fun, funny story, man. I'm, I'm actually doing a podcast, and I'm doing an interview with Hugs, and he's talking oh, to me, and he runs into you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good, man. You had a great season, man. Yeah, Meach. Appreciate time. it. What's up, All right, how you doing? I'm good. Good, good. I'm good. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, okay. He's a great kid, man. Great I'm kid. Best. You got a you got a great one there. Woof. Best. Um and hugs, my my first year was the first year of of the whole Jordan deal. And I'll never forget this. I gotta tell you this story. So growing up, I'm I'm a big you know Jordan guy. I'm, I'm wearing Jordan shoes. Every team I'm ever on, I'm convincing every coach to let me wear Jordans. And so I get I get to the Bearcats and give me the opportunity. We're at Nike school at the time. Nike sends us some shoes, and I'm like, I tell my roommate Sam Dunn, I said, man, I don't want to wear these Nikes, man. I said, I, I I'm a Jordan guy, but you know. Got uh, I think it was uh, Joe Roberts and and uh, Jake Grossman told me I couldn't I couldn't wear my Jordans, and I never forget. A week later, you called us in for a meeting. We all go to the locker room, and you said I want to introduce you to two guys. Gentry Humphrey is one of them, and a guy named uh, I believe it was William Smith um, were there, and they laid out all the Jordan stuff. And I looked at Kenyon Martin. I said, Man, this is a dream come true. Not only am I playing for the school I dreamed of playing for, playing for the coach I dreamed of playing for, now I'm wearing Jordan stuff, which I'm, I'm the biggest fan. It just all came together. And you are so right. It took the country by storm. The whole gear, shoes, unis, pullovers, took it by storm. I mean, we – it was crazy. It, I mean, they they kept they kept making more more room in the store, more room in the store, more room in the stores. No, no question. And and, and Hugs, I want to talk to you about something. Um, most of the guys that I've interviewed um, that played for you, we always talk about every player that I've talked to. All I do is I say three to six, and every player just laughs. Three to six. That is like a staple of UC basketball, and that was the time that we practiced every day. And you know that big-ass clock that was in the gym, that Mm -hmm. big clock? Oh, my God. That hand moved so slow, Coach. I'm telling you, man, I swear, it seemed like we were there two hours, and it would be like 3.15, and I'd be like, oh, boy. You know know who was responsible for that clock? Who? Odell Owens. Really? Yes, sir. How'd that come about? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I got blamed for it, but I don't know. <laughs> now, now, hugs in it between that, that three and six times of that practice, um, 
you know, you were you were hard on us, man. And and a lot of coaches, I always tell people, a lot of coaches, um, they're sometimes they're scared to be tough on guys and yell at guys. Like I, I can't yell at him; he's going to transfer or he's going to fold up. I mean, you got on guys. And I forget this: one of my first practices, I mean, you told me flat out I was the worst player to ever come out of the GCL. <laughs> you told me that in practice. But when we finished practice, you put put your arm around me. And you just you just had that I call it that Mr. Miyagi the the wax on wax off you just had that you know that great ability and how how important were practices and still are practices for you in, in developing the identity of your team? Well, let me let me ask you this question: Don't you think that everybody on that team felt like we were the toughest we were the toughest dudes in college basketball? No question about it. That's why. No question. That's why. Yep. Yep. Pra- practices were were tough. I, I I got a I got a funny practice story. You you remember Bubs Kent? That used to be the athletic director at, at Roger Bacon. Oh yeah, Bubs comes Bubs comes a couple times a year. Still comes down here for for games. Really? Yep. Sure does. So so Bubs athletic director at Roger Bacon. I'm I'm you know. Roger Bacon grad, I'm practicing, and we're we're in practice one day. We had a couple guys that got hurt. I want to say, like, Johnny Carson got hurt. Sean Myrick uh, was hurt. And I had to practice a lot more. Well, I had a brand-new pair of Jordans on, and they laced up really funny. They were the Jordan 13s, and they laced up kind of funny, and I was struggling with them a little bit. And I'm running, I'm running back, and right as I get past half court, I trip. And I sprained my ankle. And it had a lot to do with that shoe. And I am pissed off. I take my shoe. I throw it. I'm cussing. Because it's like the second time that this has happened. And so you don't say a word, you know, blah, blah, blah. But later it gets back to me from Bubs Kent that you told Bubs that that big Bearcat logo in the middle of the court tripped me up in practice. <laughs> that was the first player that ever got tripped by the Bearcat <laughs> mascot logo, he told everybody at Roger Bacon High School that, and I walk in one day, and then they make fun of me the whole day. So thanks well, the, for that. The, the, the Bearcat did have his foot out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on top of that, Coach, on your radio show, you told the story as well to Dan Hort. <laughs> so so, so – so, Thanks. I was just trying to think of something I could get I could get a sentence in with Chuck there. <laughs> That's true. Um, now, a uh, couple more things I want to want to dive into, Coach. Um, <clears throat> now, your 16 career, 16 year career, you see, I, I think was so fun for a lot of Bearcat fans because of the different styles of, of teams and play and. Um, there, there, there were some teams like I thought there were some teams that really ushered in new eras, um, and I think the team that I played on really ushered in, you know, a new era. So if you think about it, like you look at the Danny Fortson team, which was right before I came, the year before, and it was like the Danny Fortson era kind of ended, and it was now the start of the Kenyon Martin era. And you know, when I, I think about you know, I think about those teams, like the Final Four team, of course, Hugs, and the Elite Eight team is, is, is one of the most popular teams. But I think 
that era too, right? Right when I started playing, Kenyon Martin came in. I mean, it was just an era of UC basketball that just went to to the next level. And and that team, you co- that that the chance of winning the national championship with that team when Kenyon went down. I, I want to talk a little bit about that team and get your thoughts on that season. Well, I, I think it was the most talented team that we had, mm-hmm. top to bottom. And but I mean, he was the heart and soul. I mean, yep. and, and when he went down, you know, and, and and I don't, he went down, and and I went out, and and I'm 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 trying to think of what I can say to to comfort him, what I can say to, you know, you can't make it better. You know, it's, I mean, and, and, and you know what he said? He said, coach, coach, I wanted this. I wanted this so bad. I wanted this so bad. I said, I know big fella. I know, man. He said, no coach. I wanted for you. I wanted to win a national championship for you. Mm. And that's when, you know, I started crying, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, and he, you know, and and he meant it. He never said, "What about my career? Mm-hmm. What will this do to my draft status?" Never, mm-hmm. never did I ever hear that come out of his mouth. And you know, we've been we've been very close, even though you know, I mean, we don't talk every day, whatever. Obviously, but but uh, you know, he's never ever brought it up. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, people bring it up like if we do, if you know, the two of us are doing a radio thing or a TV thing or something, somebody will bring it up. But it's kind of, you know, he just, hey man, it is what it is, and let's go, let's go win. Yep. But it yep. just it it sucked the life out of us. True. You know, we, we had the same thing happen here in the Final Four with Deshaun Butler going down. I know. It just sucks the life out of you. Yeah. Because they was, they obviously a way different kind of player as Kenyon, but he had the same kind of effect on his teammates that Kenyon had on his teammates. Mm hmm. And, and, you know, there's, I'm never going to coach another Kenyon Martin to have somebody that tough, that competitive. That athletic, mm. and the thing that I've always appreciated the most about him is his understanding of how the game's supposed to be played. Absolutely, and he had it in high school. Yep, and it wasn't like uh, like people were like, "Hey, you spent a lot of time with Kenyon, you know, teaching." No, I did not. They told they told me in the NBA when he was in the NBA, he knew every set of every team in the NBA. And, and he used to do it in college. You know, I can oh, yeah. remember where, where at Houston, yeah, they they come down and his guys his guy lined up in the wrong place, and the coach is down there stomping his foot trying to get him in the right place. He can't goes, hey man, you're supposed to be over here. Better get over here. <laughs> but he knew every set of every team. Yep. And 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 to piggyback that real quick, if you remember this, uh, one of our biggest games my last year. Um, obviously our conference rival, UNC Charlotte. We're playing at UNC Charlotte, and we're having a walkthrough. We're down in the the hotel dining hall, which is converted into a a half court, 
and we're doing walkthrough and going through the sets in hugs, Kenyon Martin ran the walkthrough. And I remember I remember it like it was yesterday at him getting on guys about how Diego Rivera is going to come off of this screen. You know, you've got to guard it this way. He's going to flare here. He knew everything. You didn't have you didn't have to run it, and he held guys accountable. No, I, he was he he was a dream to coach. I mean, he yep. really was. But but you know that team was Pete Michael was terrific, man. man. Pete tough. Michael is is tough and an unbelievable competitor. Yep. And and, and, and I mean, Demar Johnson, number one high school player in the country. Mm-hmm. But see, Alex and I know, and I know this is this may be for another day, but we're about to do that again. We were about to do that again. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. I mean, we 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 had them lined up. We had we had the best freshman point guard in the country there, and then we we're getting ready to add the two Cincinnati guys, Mike Beasley, and so forth and so on. And and they knew it, and they 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 didn't they didn't want that. Mm. So so is, is it true? OJ Mayo, Beasley, Bill Walker. I'm not a hundred percent positive about OJ. I think so. I think okay. Bill 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 was in. Mike was in. Uh, you know, the one thing having a year off, having a year off, being able to go watch high school games and stuff is not a bad way to recruit. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But we had guys. I mean, we we, we had we had guys ready and willing and, and and you know, I mean it wasn't a hard sell. I mean, hey man, let's bring let's bring the glory days back. Yep. Yep. Now and we could've, that, and we could've. No question. Now that year that uh Kenyon goes down and I've asked a lot of people from that team, Pete Michael, uh I've talked to a lot of guys, K Sat, Dermar. You guys win the national championship, he doesn't get hurt. Right or wrong? I don't think there's any doubt. No question. Absolutely, 100%. I agree with you. Totally agree. Now, um, Hugs, you've always encouraged former guys to come back and be visible, be mentors. Why was that so important for you? Because it's family. I mean, what do you, what do you, uh, you, you don't want your relatives to come back? <laughs> You don't, you don't want your brothers and sisters to come back. My brothers mm-hmm. and sisters come to every game down here. Yeah, you know, why? Those are those are my guys. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 their brothers. I mean, what we go through in a, in the course of a year and, and and how hard it is, it brings you together. And yep. and and I told I told uh, when. When when uh, Corey and Eric and Terry and those guys came in, I told them, you guys, you guys need to understand what Lou Banks did for you, mm-hmm. and what Lou uh, Laverne Robinson, Keith Starks did for you. you need to understand yep. what Andre Tate did for you. Yep. Because I mean, it was I mean the uniforms were so bad when I got there. Lou was like. Lou would always ask for band-aids. I'm like, what do you want band-aids for? He said, Coach, man, these things rub your nipples wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's what they went through, man. And, yep. and it, 
it's family. And, and, you know, the same thing's happened here. And everybody said, you can't do that in Morgantown, man. It's not Cincinnati. No, it's mm-hmm. not. But they're great people here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and once some of the old guys start staying, coming back, then all of a sudden, Alex, I built them a locker room. I tell you, I, I was in my office. I'm looking out. I'm looking down on the practice facility floor. And Kevin Jones, who was an All-American force, one one of the best players to probably ever play here. And he's pulling his jeans down and putting his shorts on to get a workout in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is nuts. I go downstairs. I said, KJ, just go in the locker room. He said, no, Coach, that's theirs now. Mm. That was mine for four years. It's theirs now. Mm. We don't need to be in there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Man, we got to do something. So we built them a locker room. We have a uh, former player's locker room. Wow. They all have their own I, lockers. I've never heard of that. Shower, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, it's about doing the right thing by people. Yep. And and, and listen, you, 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 did, you also did something else, you know, for me besides giving me the opportunity to play. But I'll never forget this day. <clears throat> so I come to practice. You always asked me to come back to practice. And I would come back. I'd watch. I'd talk to the guys. And not that I was the most important player, you know, the, the one of the great scores and all that stuff. I, I wasn't all that. But I, I had been in the trenches. I'd been through it. I think you always respect anybody that's been through it. So I'd come back. And i never forget. You finished the practice. And you came over to me. And you said, hey, I, I need you to do me a favor. Say, you know, I, I want you to talk to this kid, Jamal Lucas. Um, he's quiet. He's from Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, struggling a little bit. You like shoes. He likes shoes. You guys can talk all that shoe shit or whatever that is. This is your, like your exact words. Whatever that is, you guys talk. But build a connection with him. Mentor him. <clears throat> and Coach Huggins, that day, Jamal and I took a walk down the hallway after practice, and we talked. We exchanged phone numbers. To this day, 2020, Jamal Lucas and I are best friends. I was at his wedding. I was supposed to be in his wedding, but I had an AU tournament to be at, but I got to his wedding at time. I fly out to Portland to Nike headquarters to hang out with him, and um, he's doing so many great things, tremendous family, and uh, we we all the time we often talk about you and that experience. You you made that connection happen. So thank you so much, you know, for that. And, and I know Jamal would tell you the same thing. Try to do the right thing, man. That's what we. That's you know, that's that's how you grew up. That's that's how I grew up. You know, you were blessed with great parents, as was I. Thank you, thank you. And my dad says hello, by the way. He he Your always wants. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. He's uh, he's hanging in there with all this craziness going on. Um, but hey, listen, I I, I do want to. I've got a couple more random questions, and we kind of rifle through this real quick. Just some kind of fun questions. It could be quick questions, quick answers. Um, if you could draw up one play for one guy during your Bearcat time to get a bucket when you need it, who would it be? I I don't I don't know I mean there's there's a lot of choices there are a lot of them a lot of choices I mean I mean you could easily say Kenyon you could easily say Nick you could easily say Danny mm. uh, Pete mm. Michael I mean how many great plays did Pete Michael make 
down a stretch for us in games. I mean, there's that's hard to do. I there's there's no way I could possibly do that. And then and then there's Steve Sanders. I mean, come on. I mean, yep. I don't I don't I don't have any idea. Okay. Depends Fair on enough. Who's on the floor. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I interviewed Andy Kennedy, and I asked him this question, and I want to get your response. I asked Andy Kennedy, who I found out what a great um, player Andy Kennedy was back in the day, and I asked him if he, in his prime, was to play Bob Huggins in his prime one-on-one, who would win? And AK said, without even pausing, he would beat you like 10-4, to 4, but you'd foul the shit out of him the entire game. Is he right? Listen, he's not going to ever beat me 10 to 4. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I, I mean, in, in my prime? He said you couldn't guard him, Hugs. In his prime, he said you he said he, he, hey, said hey, he hey, score. But, here, but here's the caveat. He never guarded anybody. I mean, if I couldn't guard him, there was somebody I could have guarded. You can't say that for him. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right. So during your Bearcat time, all right, I want to talk about style. Now, I talked to a lot of a lot of former players I've interviewed. We, we talk about their individual style when they played. You know, like Bobby Brandon had the barbed wire tattoo. Um, Leonard had the headband, you know, uh, Dermar came in with all kind of Kooji sweaters and all kind of stuff. In your time there, what player do you feel had the best style on the court, off the court? Does not matter? Mm. You know, honestly, I didn't really pay all that much attention. Anthony Buford have to be up there. Yeah. Okay. I would. I wouldn't have guessed that one. Now. Okay. Now, now, now. Speaking of style, the the yellow suit you wore. Where is it now? Uh, I think it's in Ripley, West Virginia. Okay. Is it in like Jared, a Jared Calhoun, who was my whatever he was, my grad assistant, I think, Yep. at, at UC and went on to Walsh and is now the head coach at Youngstown State. Him and Kevin Chappelle, the pride of Loveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. those guys asked me, could they borrow the suit? I said, sure. They got it. They, <laughs> took, it, they took it down and auctioned it off and uh, got a little spending money. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. They didn't tell you they were going to auction it out? They just wanted to borrow it? They try to tell people they did. I don't remember. <laughs> I just were, asked me to borrow it. Now, now, who who's I know who it? has it? Oh, you know who has it? Yeah, got you. Now, now, how that how that come about again? Mike whole, McGee. Mike McGee got that. Mike McGee, when I went to K State, got me a purple suit which I wore, mm. and then I Mike came in, and he was all happy. I knew something was up. And guy gave me that, that gold suit. Mm. Let me tell you something. Mike Mike McGee, one of the great people of all time. Yep. And 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 one when when 
when I was in Cincinnati, I mean, he was so much a part of of the program and and mentoring, you know, mm-hmm. being able to talk real talk, yep. real talk with guys, you know. Uh, uh, Mike was is to, to to this day one of my dearest friends in the world. Yep. Yep. I remember him well. So he got the he, so he got you a purple suit. He got you a yellow one, and then he he brings gold, that to Alex, you. Gold, Alex. Gold. 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 I'm sorry. Gold. I'm sorry. Gold. And, and you had you had now you had gold shoes on too, right? He got those too. And what do you have the gold socks on too? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't okay. remember. When you saw it, you were like, "Yep, that's going to be for the the UC game." No, it it it. It was I don't know what it was for, but uh, <laughs> no, I I I uh, I wanted what I wanted to do was like wear the top with some black pants or wear the, the gold pants with a black top. Mike said, no, no, you got to wear the whole thing. So I did. Yeah, you you got to go all in with that one. Yeah, you can't. No, you can't be one foot one one foot in, one foot out with that one. Um, all right, a couple more questions. I'll let you go do what you got to do here, Coach. Um, if you were to draw up a play, okay, for me, Alex Meacham, to score, what would you draw up for me? I don't know. What do we run for you in Alaska? <laughs> well, <clears throat> what happened? we ran for, go back and look at that, that tape. Oh, I can tell you. we ran for you in Alaska, that's what we ought to run. I dumped it, I dumped it down to Donald Little. And I relocated. They doubled down on Donald. Donald picked it out to me. That's the play we run. We gotta have Donald though, right? Oh well, yeah. Or 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 somebody like Donald who's unselfish. If you'd have thrown that to a few other post guys I could name, we had it would never came back out. <laughs> very very true. Um, where where do I? This is a selfish question. Where do I rank? All time on your walk-on list that you've coached. All right, I gotta ask you this. This is a selfish question. Well, obviously behind Steve Sanders. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. I had no idea. Okay, well, Steve. Steve's number one. I I I would think Steve would have to be after the year that Steve had. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, Coach. You know this was this was great. You gave a lot of time. I I really appreciate it. And um, I want to conclude by by saying you know two things. Um, one, um, once again, thank you for your opportunity. But I think one lesson that I've learned that I take with me um, that I talk to young people about a lot, and that is this: you can put me in any room. In any business situation, any room, anywhere. And I can look across the table and I know I can outwork that person because of what I went through from three to six with Bob Huggins and my teammates. I look across the table and I go, they they weren't there three to six. They didn't they didn't go through the wars that we went through. And because of that I can look across any table, be in any room and know that I can outwork anyone. And you 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 brought that out. 
He taught me that. He taught me really what 100% was. I remember coming in thinking I knew what 100% effort was or whatever. No, throw that out. You you really taught me what that was about. And um, once again, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your work as we go through all this stuff right now with, you know, there's racial tension all across the country right now. And if you really rewind and take and look at the work that you've done with, with all different types of people, if there were more people like, you know, Bob Huggins, we'd be in a lot better place. We'd be in a lot better shape in the country, man. And I love you, Coach. Well, I appreciate that, Alex. I really do. I mean, that means that means more than virtually anything. And uh, love you, man. Love you too, man. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate this. And my my dad's gonna be the first one to hear it. So he wants he wants to hear it first. So thank you so much for the time. And uh, I'll be giving you a shout. Definitely want to get down to Morgantown and come hang out again. Sounds good, man. Let's do it. All right, coach. Appreciate your time. Talk to you soon. Uh-huh. All right, take care. I want to thank everybody for listening to our special episode, our interview series of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. And once again, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. On Snapchat, at Big Meach 41 and soon to be on TikTok. I appreciate everybody listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats!